Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, it's great to have you again. I uh, want to welcome you. Uh, if you're on our online campus, you're here in person. Thank you so much for joining us for Celebration Sunday. How awesome is that to see those parents dedicate their children and then those folks take their next right step in baptism? I mean, man, that is what it's all about. But we're so glad that you're here. Today, we're continuing in a series we kicked off last Sunday, short uh, series called We the Church. And really, what we're doing is we're looking at why we exist, why we're here, why we have the freedom to come in here and worship every single Sunday. And we kind of looked at what God's been doing in the past 13 years, at least through this church. And I think it's just because we've been simply willing to partner with him and to go in whatever direction he leads us in. So in this series, we may hit some repeat things, you know, some things we talk about in partnership class, if you've ever been to partnership class. But as a church, I think it's important that we constantly cast vision of where we're going, where God desires for us to go. And if not, we, you know, we get off track. So we learned last week that one of the things we try to do is every single week create an environment on Sundays right here where we're at, an environment where no matter where somebody's at on the faith journey, they're comfortable. They feel comfortable to attend, whether they followed Christ for years or they don't have a relationship with, with Christ. Uh, we want people to know who Jesus is, right? And we talked about too last week how we are Christ's representatives on earth. We represent him in everything that we do. And that's kind of a scary thought, but that's why he left the church here to be his representative on earth. And so we want to have that same draw for people that Christ had. I mean, if we represent him and tons of people followed him, then, you know, we have to have that same mirroring as a church to attract people to Christ. All of our verses and, and learnings that we go through on a Sunday, they're on the side screens, the screen behind me, but they're also on the Church Center app. If you want to download that to your smartphone or online, they'll send you a link. But here's our first scripture verse, Matthew 19, 2. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Then Luke chapter 14, verse 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And then again in Matthew 8, 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. I mean, you kind of get the point. Crowds followed Jesus everywhere he went. People who didn't, uh, that weren't like Jesus, they liked Jesus. They still wanted to hang around him. And in churches should be the same way. Churches should have that same draw because the church represents Christ to other people. And so our prayer and our hope and our desire and our dream is that, you know, five weeks from now or five years from now or 50 years from now, we're driven by the same thing. And that's for people to know Christ. Really, there's nothing more important in life than people know Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.10, our next verse. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. 
Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Well, I thought about that this week. What's our thought and purpose? What unites us as a church? And it's our mission and our vision, right? To help people, and you're going to hear this over and over again, but to help people to find Jesus and to follow Jesus. And one of the best ways to do that, to help people to find Jesus and follow Jesus, it's simply to love people. To love the people that God desires for us to love, the people that God places around us. Jesus said this in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. We should be about other people knowing Christ. But do you know what the verse was that Jesus said right before this? Verse 12, he said, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. So the reason we should be motivated to love people around us is because Christ loved us first. But let's be real about that for a minute. Sometimes it's easier for us to love somebody that we just met than it is our wife of 25 years. Sometimes it's easier to love the people that we work with or that we play ball with or we go to school with than it is one of our own siblings. But when Jesus says, I want you to love one another, he means everybody. In other words, he wants us to practice biblical love wherever we go. So we love other people, even those people that are really, really difficult to love. We love them because Christ loved us first. And if, so if we can do that as a church, if we can love everyone, they are going to see the love of Christ in us. Why? Go back to what we talked about last week. We are a reflection of Jesus. So here's learning number one, if you're taking notes. When we love others, they see Christ. They truly do. They see Christ in us when we love them. When we love people instead of judging people, they see Christ. When we love people instead of condemning people, they see Christ. When we love people instead of trying to fix people, right, they see Christ in us. And the reason this is so important is it's not just a reflection of us on how well we love. It is a reflection of Jesus. It may be the only picture of Christ that a person ever gets. If you want to know how strong your faith is, look at how well you love other people. So many people think that spiritual maturity is how much of the Bible I know and, and how much of it I've got memorized and I've got all this head knowledge. It's not. It's can we do the things that Christ calls us to do, these difficult things like love other people. Spiritual maturity is measured by how well we love. Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 and 47. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even scoundrels do that much. If you're friendly only to your friends, how are you different from anybody else? Even the heathen do that. So when we love society, when we love those around us as individuals, as the church family, as ambassadors for Christ, it truly sends the message to them, hey, God loves you. Think of yourself as a distributor of God's love. Every day you're out there for free just giving away God's love because that's what we are. So that's something practical that we can do to show the love of Christ to others is simply to love them. 
Something else we can do, learning number two, we must pray for the people God places around us. And I think our next series, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about prayer. And I probably shouldn't admit this as a pastor, but a lot of times I struggle with prayer. I know it comes as a shock to you, but sometimes I get distracted. Or sometimes my mind is on a million different things. And I think prayer is so vital to our spiritual development. But at Easter, we talked about how sometimes our prayers are self-focused, right? They're, they're self-centered. If, if we're going to be really honest, we're praying for things that we need and things that we want and things that we desire. And if God was to answer those prayers, we'd be the beneficiary, right? And I'm not saying to stop praying those things, but we also have to direct our prayers outward, We can pray for those things that we need, but then we pray outward. We pray for those that are outside of the body of Christ, that they would come to know who Jesus is. But we shouldn't just pray that our community comes to know Jesus. We should also pray that those of us that follow Jesus would stay committed to Jesus, right? That we would stay committed to the work of Christ, committed to reaching people and sharing the good news and growing in our faith. We should also pray for other churches, that they would stay committed. No matter where you call home, pray for other churches, that they would stay committed to the work of Christ. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. The first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how for everyone you know. Pray especially for rulers and their governments to rule well so we can be quietly about our business of living simply in humble contemplation. That's something we probably don't do a lot, right? Especially I didn't vote for that person, right? I'm not, I'm not going to pray for him. This is the way our Savior God wants us to live. So we can love people around us. We can pray for the people around us. Something else we need to do is remain relevant in culture. As a church, especially, we have to remain relevant in culture. Well, what are you talking about, Scott? What does that mean? Keep in tune with what's going on in the world. Keep in tune with what's going on in your little community or your neighborhood. Keep in tune with what's going on in other people's lives. Because if you look at church history, what's happened is over time, the church has just simply operated uh, almost in a vacuum without any regards to what's going on in the world and without any clue as to what's going on in people's lives. Now, does that mean we have to agree with what's going on in society or in culture? No. Does it mean we have to agree with the way people are living their lives? Certainly not. But we have to know what is going on around us in order to know what we need to pray for. We have to stay relevant in our culture. And and some churches have done church the same way for so long, they haven't even considered how can I relate more to the people that are outside of these four walls so that I have the opportunity to tell them how Christ can change their life. And if you look at the life of Jesus, man, when he came to this earth, he shook the religious establishment to the core, didn't he? If you've watched The Chosen, you kind of see this played out on the screen. And I think sometimes the religious establishment needs to be shaken to the core again. We should constantly be doing that. Jesus never changed God's message. 
but he certainly changed the way God's message was being communicated to the people. If you think about it, the message of Christ, salvation, forgiveness of sins, you know, the resurrection, all of that doesn't change. That's timeless. But the way we communicate that can certainly change. It is okay for us to do things differently sometimes, right? Or uh, to do things new. And I think a great verse that illustrates this is John 21, 6. And, and I got to give credit to a friend of mine who about five years ago, we talked about this verse and it was just eye-opening to me the way he explained it. But it says this, he said, throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. They did what he said. All of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. Now, if you've seen The Chosen, you've seen this episode as well. But back then, they would normally fish from the left side of the boat. And a lot of people that have written about this said because the steering apparatus was on the left side of the boat. So they, uh, you know, they wouldn't, or the right side of the boat. So they wouldn't have to navigate that when they were pulling their nets in. They could just pull them straight in. They wouldn't have to work around the steering equipment. Well, here, Jesus comes along and says, hey, fish on the other side of the boat. That was counterculture to how they fished. It was so opposite of what they were doing. But we read here what happened. They had success. And I think the message to us is, hey, it's okay to do things differently, right? They were still fishing. They were just fishing differently. And I believe, you know, we've done what God led us to do almost 13 years ago. And I got to tell you, it's totally different than anything I grew up with. It's totally different than the church I grew up with. But once I figured out, wait a minute, it's just the methods that were changing. It's not the message of Christ. So how do we stay relevant in our culture? Well, one of the things we do here is we try to make it easy for you to bring a friend to church, to invite your friend to church. You know, every single Sunday, there's going to be three songs. There's going to be a welcome. Somebody's going to stand up here and do a talk. And then within 60 minutes, it's all over, right? Unless there's something like Celebration Sunday where we're adding baptism, we warn you about that ahead of time. Why do we do that? So you can tell your friends what to expect. More people in this world are willing to do something if they know how long it's going to take and if they know what is expected of them, right? Think about timeshare presentations. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've been through, through one of those things, right? But they tell you, hey, come listen to our presentation for 90 minutes and we'll give you a free round of golf or we'll give you a, a, a one-hour massage or a magical hat or whatever, Right? Do they ever last 90 minutes? No, they get you in there and they keep you there. And it's three hours or three and a half hours or four hours because they don't respect people's time. And they try to put pressure on people. They'd sell a heck of a lot more timeshares if they just end on time. You never have to worry about that here. We also play a style of music that's similar to what people listen to on the radio. May not be the style of music that you grew up with or that you uh, you know, listen to, but it's familiar to people. The only thing different is the lyrics. And so when they come in and they've never been in a church before and they hear something playing that sounds familiar to what they listen to on the radio, you know what it does is it relaxes them. And when people are relaxed 
And when people aren't full of fear that somebody's going to do something or say something or make them do something, they can hear how Christ can change their life. Something else we do is we try to bring out the application piece of the Scripture, right? We talk about practical things that we're dealing with in our lives every single day. Prayer or raising kids or families or marriage or love or forgiveness or success or leadership, all these things. And so every single Sunday, somebody should be able to walk in here, whether they know Christ or don't have a clue who Christ is, they should be able to walk out with something they can apply to their lives that's going to make their life better during the work, uh, the week, no matter where they're at on the spiritual journey. That's just relating to culture. And listen, this is nothing new. Jesus was the one who figured this out and related to culture so well. Another chosen episode. Can you tell I'm watching the chosen again? All right. So the woman at the well, she's there midday. She's getting water. What did Jesus talk to her about? Living water. Guess what? She could relate to that. I'm getting water. He's talking about water. To farmers, he would talk about you know, seed or, or planting crops. He talked about the soil one time, the different types of soil. Guess what happened when the farmers heard that? They got it because that was their life. Fishermen, he talked about fishing. That's simply relating to culture. Still, same message. Romans 15, 7, reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it for you. Now you do it. And what's he talking about here? He's talking about more than just saying, hey, how you doing? He's talking about investing in other people's lives. How do we do that? Invite people into your home that don't know Christ. Invite them to a tailgate. Go for a hike with them. You know, have them out for coffee. Go, go get a meal. Have you figured out we like to eat in our culture? Eating is probably the best get-to-know-you event that we have in our society. It's a great chance to connect with somebody, but we've got to be invested in other people's lives if we're ever going to have the opportunity to love them and to possibly share with them or invite them somewhere they can hear about Christ. Romans 12, 13 says, share your belongings with your needy fellow Christians and open your home to strangers. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for Christians to do over time, because the longer you've been a Christian, if you're not careful, you'll turn around one day and they'll be like, wait a minute, there's nobody in my life that I associate with that doesn't know Christ. Same for us as individuals, but also as a church. We have to continue to invest to try to reach people who don't know Christ, because again, the church is the hope of the world, right? To, to young families that are struggling, to, to married people that are trying to get along, the church and the message of Christ is their hope. To kids growing up without a mom or without a dad, the church is their hope. The message of Christ is their hope. Listen, to a pastor who stands up here just about every week, and I guarantee you I struggle constantly. I love the church. The church is my hope. The message of Christ is the hope that gets me through the week. We have to continue to share that hope with others. How do we do that? Well, we can love people. We can pray for people. We can remain relevant to culture and to people. And, you know, we can meet people's needs. That is a great way to show people a picture of Christ. When Christ came, he met people's needs. 
And that opened their ears to the, to the message of Christ. James 1.27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. If you sum that verse up, in God's playbook, true religion is being moral and having compassion. It's that simple. Being moral, don't let the world corrupt you, and have compassion. Help people. James 2, 15 through 17. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you can come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? So we should constantly be looking at how we can meet the needs of other people. Now, a lot of times when Jesus uh, was here on this earth, he met physical needs, right? But most people in our culture, not everybody, but most people in this country have their physical needs met. Food, clothing, shelter. What's more predominant in our culture is emotional needs. People are starved emotionally. People are insecure. People are fearful. People are, are anxious. They're depressed. They're discouraged. They're lonely. They carry guilt. We can meet those emotional needs. And it opens the door to Christ. Acts 20, verse 35, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. You can make a full-time career out of ministering to people emotionally. And here's something else. Romans 12, 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other so we can honor people. 1 Peter 2.17 says, respect everyone. That is a way of showing love, that the church and that Christ is the hope of the world. It doesn't matter if somebody's got a different religion than you do or a different denomination or you know, a different political persuasion than you do. You still respect and honor everybody. It doesn't matter if they have a different lifestyle, a different ethnic background, a different sexual orientation. It doesn't even matter if they like cats. We still have to honor and respect everyone. Mark 8, 35, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. All these things simply show people the love of Christ. They really do. We can do these things on our own. Yes, we can walk out of here and we can start doing these things, love people and pray for people and remain relevant in culture. And we can honor and respect people. But we can also do them together as a church. And we will be far more effective if we do them together. 
So learning number three, the best way to maximize our life is to team up with other people. You can only do so much. I can only do so much, but together as the body of Christ, we can accomplish great things. And and for the past 13 years, you have accomplished great things because you've been willing to be obedient to what God's called us to do. You've been willing to be obedient to being his representative on this earth. And listen, if I knew something different we could be doing or better that we could be doing with our time, energy, our resources, our effort, I would tell you because I would be doing it. But there's nothing more important than helping people to discover who Christ is, right? There's nothing better than helping somebody to know that that Jesus loves them unconditionally and that Jesus desires a relationship with them and then what that relationship gets them. If we simply do that, we've pleased our Heavenly Father. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray, and then we're going to celebrate communion uh, together as a church family to, to kind of end Celebration Sunday. Those of you that are with our online campus, you can go ahead and grab some communion supplies, bread, water, uh, crackers, juice, whatever you have, and we'll all celebrate together. But let's pray uh, to the Lord. God, thank you so much really for this church and what you've done in almost 13 years, Lord, allowing us to be a part of that, allowing us to be a part of these parents that dedicated their children today and the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles that are here celebrating with those families. Thank you for allowing us to participate in baptism for these folks that took their next step of faith, this bold step of faith. Lord, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with what you're doing. We just want to be a part. We just want to be used any way that we can. So this week, help us to love others with biblical love and to pray for others and to honor and respect others. And somehow, Lord, show them how much you love them through us and through our actions and our behaviors. In Christ's name, amen. So I'm going to ask if you are seated in the last row of a section, if you're sitting in the, last, the right seat in a section, if you look under your seat, there is a bucket. And if you would grab that bucket, there's some communion supplies in there. And if you'll take one of those and if you'll pass it down the row, and then after those get passed out, I'll explain to you how to open them. Our online campus is getting their stuff But communion and celebrating communion is simply a time when we can come together as followers of Christ to remember the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. The fact that he came to this earth and he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed for us. Easter Sunday, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection, but before we could celebrate the resurrection, Christ had to die. He had to be the sacrifice for our sins. So that's what we remember when we celebrate communion together. And the Apostle Paul tells us that before we celebrate together, that we should really kind of examine ourselves and examine our hearts and and anything that's in our heart that we probably shouldn't have there or that we should get rid of, then, you know, we should get rid of that. So we're going to pray in just a minute and, and do that. As a matter of fact, let's do that 
right now. Let's pray. God, you know our hearts. You know the condition of our heart when we walked in here. You know the condition of our heart all week. Lord, we tend to carry stuff we shouldn't carry. Maybe you've got some disagreement with somebody in a relationship or there's some bitterness you've been lugging around. Just give that to the Lord. Some unforgiveness, whatever it is, he desires to take that from us. He doesn't want you to carry that any longer. God, we thank you too for your love for us. Forgive us when it's hard for us to imagine that you you do love us unconditionally. But we thank you for that love and the fact that you sent your son to pay our penalty. Lord, we love you. Amen. I'm going to ask you if you need a gluten-free wafer, if you just hold your hand up and keep it up, and one of the members of our assistance team will come and give you that. There's a couple here in the center, folks. But those of you that are in the auditorium, uh, the way to open this is pretty simple. Just take that cellophane off of the bread or, or the wafer, and then we'll open the cup in a minute when we get to that section of communion. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's what I'm going to be reading from. Apostle Paul's words, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. So let's do that. God, thank you for this bread that, that represents your body, Jesus. And thank you, too, for this cup that represents your blood that you shed your blood for us, Jesus, that you went through the ordeal of the cross, the pain of the cross, the suffering of the cross for us. Thank you. We remember that today. Amen. Then he broke it into pieces, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me and take the bread. And go ahead and open that cup. And I'll continue reading in verse twenty five. Paul says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again and take the cup. Amen. I want to encourage you to fill out those connection cards. Uh, If you're worshiping through giving, you can do that online or in the black boxes. And next week, we'll finish up this series. So I want to invite you back. Thank you for being here uh, for Celebration Sunday. Let's give those folks 
another round of applause. So proud of them. Absolutely. You guys have a terrific Sunday and God bless you.